If you'd open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. We're going to continue in our study of the book of Matthew. We come to a place where Jesus has already uh, looked upon the crowds. And he has uh, looked upon them uh, with different eyes than me and you. Uh, I've shared over and over again that when we see crowds, we get annoyed. Uh, when we see crowds, we want to get away. Uh, we want to push them away. But when Jesus saw crowds, he had compassion. His heart broke. And he looked upon them as he looked upon them as a field and he shared with his disciples. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few. Um, and and he said that the answer to that is for us to call upon the Lord of the harvest himself to call upon him so that he would send out workers into his field, that he would send them out in a message to go do the harvesting, uh, to be those laborers in his field. Last week, we looked at the 12 um, disciples or apostles. I, I should have mentioned this. I should have made a bigger deal out of this. So I'm going to do it this morning. Uh, thankfully, uh, I wasn't a guest speaker last week because I forgot something, and now I can uh, put it in there. As you look at uh, Matthew refers to this list in, in verse 2. He says the 12 apostles. And I, I think I mentioned it, or maybe I didn't. Um, but that word apostle is the idea of one cent, one cent. And uh, in reference to these 12, it's a special, a capital A apostle, if you will, that they are sent out as the originators or the ones, the, the first ones sent out by Jesus in a special sense. And to connect these three messages together, you have Jesus calling on them. That he says, the Lord of the harvest, I'm the Lord of the harvest. And my answer is to send out workers into the field, laborers. And then it goes on, Matthew describes the 12 as apostles, as ones sent. And then this morning, we're going to see them as they, them being sent out into the field. As we look at this, I, I, I want us to see this as marching orders, marching orders. If you can uh, picture Jesus gathering these 12 disciple apostles, gathering them around, and he says, let me, let me give you your marching orders. Let me give you what I, I'm sending you out. Let me tell you what to do. And make no mistake that Jesus is telling them what to do, how to do it, and where to do it. He is not saying, uh, hey, go get them, and good luck to you. Uh, but he is giving them marching orders. He describes his mission. He uh, gives them a target. He uh, even shares with them a little bit of expectations. These are his kingdom marching orders. And if you think about this in terms of Matthew being a book about his kingdom, the king is telling his laborers or his workers, he is sending them out. And he says, as the king, I want to share with you my kingdom marching orders. And this morning, if we could look at it that way, maybe this would be helpful 
for us to understand uh, where the Lord has us in all this. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you from the beginning of chapter 10 down through verse 15. God's Word says this, And He called to Him His twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these. First Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. God, I ask your blessing on our time as we look to your word. May we hear the message of your son, Jesus. May we understand how we fit into this. And Lord, may we understand uh, what your will is for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Starting at verse 5, um, we look out and we see uh, these marching orders uh, come out. Jesus is describing what he wants them to do. As you look at verse 5, he first talks about going, going. And it's the idea of not just go, once go, but keep going. It's the idea that he is pursuing this. And and he is calling them as individuals and together to go out and to keep going. And that this is their mission. It's not just a single little step. It's a constant moving step where they are to go, to go, to go, to keep going. Uh, as they go uh, about uh, with this mission. Jesus first tells them where not to go, where not to go. He instructs them. Uh, He says, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, uh, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's kind of tough for us, isn't it? He says, don't go to Tehachapi. Uh, That's what he said. He didn't say that, but he said that, you know, don't go to Tehachapi. Um, 
as as we see his plan unfold, we can say it this way probably better. Don't go to Tehachapi yet. Don't go to Tehachapi yet. He brings his first priority or his first step in this kingdom message is not to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans, not to those who are have nothing to do with uh, being Jewish or even those who are maybe a little bit closer in the Samaritans, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Um, Throughout the New Testament, but specifically the Gospels, you see this picture of the lost sheep. And, and, and if we can picture that, if we can see that as it's meant to be seen, he says, go to the ones that are outside of my kingdom. Go to the ones that are not in a place of safety for them. And as you see people who are lost Remember, their lostness isn't just their own stupidity. It's not just that they're doing dumb things and they're outside. It's not just that that, uh, they've had their chance or whatever, but it's they're in danger. They're in danger. And for us to have compassion that the Lord has is to see them as in a dangerous spot. And Jesus, as he shares with his disciples, his apostles, he says, I want you to go and keep going, keep going to the house of Israel, to my chosen people. But specifically, because they're lost sheep, they're lost sheep. They need what you are giving. Our... um, picture of going or keep going the the idea that we would share the message about jesus over and over again is not because we necessarily like the people and we want them in it's not because uh, it's something about us or it's not because of anything else other than the fact that they're in danger and the compassion of our lord the compassion of our lord calls us to go to keep going the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Israel was his first priority. Uh, we will see later in the book where it widens out, and especially in the New Testament as it widens out uh, to all people, even to Tehachapi. Um, you can't find that maybe on your Bible program where you type in Tehachapi in the New Testament. It doesn't come up very often, but there are veiled references. Um, first priority is Israel, and and those of Israel, the lost sheep of Israel. That's his mission. That's, that's what he is calling them to do or to go. Secondly, this is his message uh, as he shares with them. If you look down at verse 7, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven. And as Jesus shared that, He was saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand and they were looking at him, the king. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's calling them. You look at this. He has already shared this message over and over again. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's right now. It's close to you. You need it now. And the message, this kingdom message was Jesus himself. 
And so as uh, they were called to go and to keep going, uh, to, they were called to preach this kingdom message. They were called to say, the time is now that Jesus is near, the king is near, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. A very simple message. It's interesting that Jesus did not uh, call them to a different message. He called them to the simple message of the kingdom, of him being the king and there, there is a kingdom for them. You say, well, what other message could they preach? Be good. Be good. Stop doing bad things. Uh, Hey, you need to give more. You need to give more. Uh, There's a political cause that you need to be a part of. It could have been one of the the big ills of the time. There's famine in, in certain lands. But Jesus, when He sent out... When he gave marching orders, there was a singular purpose and it was a core message of him and his kingdom. Kingdom of heaven is at hand. Should be uh, something that we consider uh, as we think about the message that we share with the message that our life is sharing. What is the most important? What, What are you discipling people in right now? When people get to know you, what, what, is, what is the message that pours forth from your life? Jesus was giving marching orders. And these are obviously different. Uh, you could imagine the, the fishermen of the crew going, well, you know, I could really use my fishing. You know, I could tell them about how to catch fish and where to catch them and just all these other things. And he says, I, I already have the message. I don't need your fishing skills. I, you know, Matthew, the tax collector, I, I know you know about tax codes and uh, uh, the IRS and various other things, percentages and all that good stuff. Set that aside because I have a message for you. His message, kingdom of heaven is at hand. The person of Jesus is near. He called them to preach himself and his kingdom. In that... Uh, he combines the preaching of the message with the... And, and as you see this, you see Jesus has already preached that message. He has already done miracles in their midst. They'd seen him. And now you can imagine this. that uh, So they're gathered around and Jesus is going, okay, you guys are going to go out. And they're going, okay, we're going to go out. Okay, yeah. What are we, so we're, where are we going to go? Okay, we're going to go over there. No, don't go over there. Lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, I know we're, who we're going to. We, we know the target here. It, the message, the kingdom of heaven is in. Okay, I, I got that, I got that. And then he says this. He, he adds this to it. He says, uh, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. I was with you, Jesus. I was with you up to that point. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? I've seen you do that already, Jesus. I've seen you do that. I I was with you. I saw those different things. I I participated. How are we going to do that? If you go back, you realize that uh, in this big A apostleship that he gave them, he gave them all authority as well. 
And interestingly enough, he he calls them to go do something. And then we don't really have recorded that he they did these things. I think to some degree they did it, not all of them at one time or one person, but collectively, this is what they were about. But he charged them, giving them authority. And he says, go do this, go do this. I send you out to be an extension of me, of me. Jesus had done this already, and now he sends it to his 12 to go do it as well. He extends uh, his authority to them, to them. So so you have uh, his mission, you have his message or message and as well as his miracles. And then. In the end of verse 8, it says this, you received without paying, give without pay. You say, well, what? He, he, has a, he has a method or a money aspect of this where Jesus says, hey, how have we been living thus far? How have we been getting our food? And they were thinking about it. Oh, I don't know. Like people have been giving us stuff along the road here. Uh, miracles and part, you know, sometimes there's a miracle for food and other times people are just giving it to us. How does this all work out? And Jesus points them back to really their own calling. And he says, what have you paid to get here? What was the entrance fee into my club or my kingdom? What have you done that has allowed you to be in here? And they were saying, well, nothing. This is, yeah, nothing. You have paid nothing. And he says, I want to I talk to you about the provision of this mission, how this mission works. And he says, it works just like it worked for you. What did you pay to get in, into relationship with me? Nothing. And so do it for free. Do it for free. Go for. He says, "Well, you know, what's the money aspect of this? How is how how am I going to get money to live on?" And Jesus says, uh, "You didn't pay anything, so don't charge anything." This makes us nervous already, doesn't it? Where's the money? In fact, I, I think this is connected to the religious leaders of the day. I. I'll just share this story with you. Anyways, um, so I, I was on a, a short-term trip, and I was in Kiev in uh, Ukraine when I was in college. And we were out on the street, and we were just kind of doing whatever we were doing. And we, we bump into uh, this man, and he re- recognizes us as Americans, and he's interested in us. And so part of our, our thing was to meet as many people and to be able to share the gospel with them. And so we, we began sharing the gospel with this man. He, he spoke broken English, and uh, we realized that he was Jewish. He was Jewish, and he thought us to be religious. And so he says, let me take you to my synagogue. Let me take you there. And so uh, we weave throughout the city. We go to the synagogue, and he goes, I want to show you. I want you to meet my rabbi. And, uh, you know, we're like, oh, okay. So we go. And um, interestingly enough, it doesn't mean anything to the story. It's just an interesting fact. He was from Brooklyn. He was from Brooklyn. Uh, and he had this sweet Brooklyn accent and everything. And it was just interesting. You're in Kiev and the guy's from Brooklyn. Anyways, uh, but um, 
we got to the place and and he wanted to do uh the, this man wanted a ceremony uh, i can't remember exactly what it was a reading or, or something and and he said would would you want to see my rabbi do this reading and uh, to be polite we said oh sure and immediately the rabbi looked to us and he said he handed us this uh offering box and he said um for this particular recitation you need to uh, give a gift and so we're like that's weird so we put some money in there and he read and i walked away going is this how this deal works yes it is how the deal works it was how the deal worked in their day there was a connection between money and spiritual uh, help of any way and you know what Jesus looked at his 12 disciples that were starting things out, and he says this. He says, you didn't pay anything to get into my club, into my kingdom, so go without charge. Go without charge. As you look at this, um, he goes on to talk about it. He says, acquire no gold or silver or copper. He starts with the big one, and then he downgrades from there, right? Gold, silver, Copper, you know, uh, he, he, he's saying, don't don't grab any of the big bills or the, the medium size and even the pennies, you know, uh, don't don't stockpile for yourself for your trip. And, and you say, well, how, how are they going to make it? Shouldn't you if you're going to go on a trip, shouldn't you have a, a pile of money in your pocket, depending on how long? So you'd be taken care of the whole time. He says, no, I, I want to tell you, I want you to go. I want you to keep going. And I, I, I've given you a message. And, and now I, I want to just tell you, I'm going to provide for you. Don't charge. Because I will be the one taking care of you. He says, acquire no gold or silver for your belts, no bag for your journey, or, or two tunics, or sandals, or a staff. He says, don't take a bunch of clothes. Just take what you have. Don't, don't get the spare whatever. <laughs> because uh, you, you won't need it. I will take care of you. And he says this, for the laborer deserves his food. The laborer deserves his food. He says, go. And as I look at this, I go, man, this makes me uncomfortable, especially as a pastor. You know, I don't know if you made that connection already this morning. Um, He says, I will provide for you. I will provide for you. And you know how he's going to provide for them? Through the worth of the message that they are sharing. The worth of the message that they're sharing. Um, we, we take an offering here. Uh, and if if you don't think it's worth it, you don't put anything in. If you don't think that, that uh, there's a sense of connection that we want to see this church continue, people don't give. And, and there could be a sense in the future where we say, oh, you know, uh, we can't pay the pastors. We, you know, no lights can be on. The, the fans, you know, the next couple of months, the fans are going to be super important uh, in the next few months. Um, and you say, well, we don't have enough money for that. So it'll, it'll kind of start shutting down. And you will say in your mind, 
Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth to keep that church open? Is it worth to have the ministry of the gospel every week? Is it is it worth uh, the idea that we would gather to sing praises to the Lord? Is it worth it? It's it's a simple thing. It's not this complex uh, thing that if people find it worth find worth in something, you know what? They give to it. They pay. It's a simple transaction. We'll do it a bunch of times today. You'll go into a store. You'll you'll most of the time it'll be a restaurant on a Sunday. But uh, you'll you'll say, "I want this sandwich. I want this hamburger. I want this this steak." And you look at it and you go, "It's worth that to me." And so I'll pay. And Jesus sends them out, and he says, "Don't take a bunch of money. Don't take spare whatever. Go out." Because I know that a laborer bringing an amazing harvest, a powerful message, a message that's worthwhile, you'll be provided for. There's worth in the message. And the laborer who brings it is provided for in the worth of the message. Well, down in verse 11, he uh, turns the page. And it's kind of a similar message, uh, kind of connected to the previous one about how he, uh, he, it's his money, it's his provision. But uh, he says this in verse 11. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. And then he says, truly, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than, than for that town. He says this, peace to the receivers, peace to the receivers, those who will have you move in with someone into that town, move in, stay with them as you share this message, as you're going around, move into that house. And if they receive you, may your peace, the idea of your blessing being on that house, go, go. And as you find that house, stay there. But if they will not receive you, leave there. It's this interesting, interesting thing as they're called to go uh, to the, the, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It, it sent, he sends them out to these lost sheep and it's as if he says, hey, I found one. I found a lost sheep. Can I, can I be with you? Can I stay with you? Can I share with you this good message of the gospel? They say, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Fine. I go to this, I found another one. I, I come here and I say, this is the message. This is the message. You're a lost sheep and, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's now, it's Jesus. You, you, and they go, oh, please stay with me. Share with me more. They receive it. And they go and they share. And as they share, they're received. And they say, I need to keep going. And they keep going. And, and some receive and some reject. And he says, to those who will reject... To those who are reject, he says, just shake the dust off your feet. Move on. Move on. As I, as I listen to this section, I, I struggle with it. The salesman in me wants to never give up. 
wants to put the high pressure on him. What do you mean, no? Tell me, uh, tell me the things, that, the barriers to, between you to say yes to Jesus right now. Right now. I'll seal the deal right now. What are you waiting for right now? You, you look at this and you say, Jesus sent out his, his disciples and he says, keep going. Keep going. Share. If they accept, great. Stay with them. Share with them. If they reject, shake the dust off your feet. Keep moving. You look at this and, and, and what bothers me about it is this. That I want it to be all about me. I want to be successful. I want to be winsome. I want to be the one who determines whether someone rejects or accepts his kingdom. And Jesus says, it's not about you. It's about me. And he ends up this section talking about the judgment that will come. For who? Anyone who will not receive not receive. One of my professors in seminary, he, um, he, he lives in a particularly uh, difficult part of L.A., and he was sharing the gospel w- with a uh, few young men. And he said this to them. He, he, there were three of them, and he says, uh, do, do you want to hear about how you can get for you these three young men in front of him? They were just hanging out, and he says, uh, do you guys want to hear uh, about how you can be forgiven of your sins and have a right relationship with Jesus? And the two were like, no, I don't want to hear that. And he goes, and the other one was kind of like, well, that sounds kind of interesting. And he says, well, good, I'll talk to you. He says, but you two right here, don't die. Don't die. Because you're, you, you're going to go to hell and experience judgment for eternity. <laughs> And then he turned to the one young man and he shared the gospel with him. That's the reality of it, right? It's not about this personal thing that you've rejected me, you didn't like me, I wasn't winsome. But he says, look, this is about you and the Lord. You're rejecting him, not me. I, I need to talk to you. It's a picture, picture of the ministry, ministry of his kingdom. I want to uh give you a few takeaways this morning as we've gone through this uh, mission, uh, these marching orders that Jesus has shared. The first one is this, that uh, what he described is something his, 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 uh, his mission, his message, his provision, and ultimately the rejection, the rejection of him or the acceptance of him. This is all of, this is his. This is his deal. I want you to get that this morning. As, as you look, as Jesus sent out the original 12, he says, this is my kingdom. This is my way. This is my methods, my provision. And it's rejection of me in the end. This is the, what I send you out on. As we get that firmly in our mind, uh, I want to just the second takeaway for us this morning is today at Bear Valley Church, it should be his, his, his. It should always be about the message of Jesus. It should not be about us. It should not be about uh, 
the way we want it or the method that we choose or whatever. This should be about Jesus. This should be about his message. This should be about going to people. This should be about him providing. This should be about his time, his place, his method. It's, It's all about him. Sometimes we find ourselves to be pretty smart. We find ourselves to be uh, ones of specialty and of, of great giftedness. But here at Bear Valley Church, it should all be about Him. We should be looking to Him, see ourselves as laborers, and see Him as the King, bringing down His methods and His purpose and His time and His place and His provision. Lastly, and these all kind of are the same point. I just wanted to make them into three. Uh, The last takeaway this morning. The servants of the king take orders from the king. The servants of the king take orders from the king. Apostle, that's a great like title, isn't it? The Apostle Paul. The Apostle John. And you say, boy, that, that sounds like a great... It's one cent. It's one cent. It's a messenger boy, okay? And if you want to connect this, it's super important for you to see. It's a laborer. It's a laborer. Unskilled laborer. A harvester just standing around looking for something to do. He says, I'll give you a job. Great. Um, th- this morning... I. I struggled with whether to share this with you, but I, I think it's important. Uh, so uh, Rebecca and I and my crew, uh, we were at uh, a small church plant. Um, and uh, the, the small church plant uh, was small. You know, some Sundays it was uh, myself and Rebecca. And then there were Caleb, my other son. And there were Nathan and Daniel and Grateful that Anna was born so she could come too. And uh, did I mention Rebecca was there? Yeah, yeah. It, it was small. It was small. And what was interesting about Church of Petaluma is that um, as we grew, um, it was mostly through birth. Not necessarily as new birth as you can think. You know what I mean? Uh, little babies. And so uh, we would sometimes have... Uh, 40 people, and 15 of them were this high, you know, okay? And so there were little people. And I remember speaking with a, a, a woman. She was, uh, um, her, her kids were college age and above. And, and she stopped me once and she said, she said um, you, know, you know, Kevin, um, I'm, I'm really a gifted teacher. I'm really a gifted teacher. And I, I nodded my head. I go, oh, great, great, great. And she said, I, you know, I'd really like to gather a, a large group of women so I could teach them. And I said, and I got where this was going. It took me a moment. I'm not the sharpest guy in the world sometimes. And I said, you know what we need here at church at Petaluma? And she says, no, what do you, what do you need? And she was really excited. I said, we need people to work in the nursery. And immediately she said, oh, I, I don't do the nursery. And immediately I said, at church at Petaluma, everybody does the nursery. 
Because that's the need. The, the, the difficulty for us is getting set in our mind that we are laborers. We are servants. We, we don't tell the king, uh, uh, this is what I want to do. Um, you know what? I was thinking of going to the Samaritans. And he says, we're not going to the Samaritans yet. Lost you. I don't really, I don't really like Jewish people. Uh, you know, I, I, that's not... I, you know, I, I grew up around a lot of them. You know, I am one. You know, but uh, I really don't like. I'd rather go to somebody else. If you're my servant, you go where I tell you to go, and, and, and you go when I tell you to go, and because you're a laborer. I want to tell you uh, the description of this is happy sacrifice, happy sacrifice. The thrill of these men. <laughs> that God would take them out of their pathetic, meaningless lives and give them a place in his kingdom. And not just a place in his kingdom, but allow them to be his laborers in his kingdom. What a thrill. What a thrill. This morning, I want to end with this. You say, well, what does this have to do with me? I'm calling on the empty, depressed grouchy people of Bear Valley Church. You know who you are? Uh, uh, You know who we are, I should say? And you say, well, where is life? I just just get so annoyed. And and I want to tell you, the happy place, the place of fulfillment, is to be a laborer in His kingdom. It's to... That, that God would somehow give you a purpose. And, and, and you know what? We got, we got things to do here. We got nursery. We got the twos and threes. And you say, well, they tire me out. Praise God. You know what? That laborers tend to get tired after a good hard day's work. But the work is worth it. You say, well, you know, I don't do this. Okay, middle school. Okay, we got a middle school camp coming up. Maybe you should invite yourself to that. Maybe the Lord's calling you. The king's saying, come, be, be at middle school with me. He said, I don't really like middle schoolers. You know what? That's what a laborer is. You say, I, you know, you say I'm more of a soloist. I, we don't do many solos here. The Lord doesn't really, We need people who are willing to serve. Excited to do so. Excited to do so. It's called the happy sacrifice in his kingdom. This, is, this will give your life worth, uh, worth and meaning. It will pull you out of the struggle of depression where you're stuck in your sad place. Thinking of all the things that uh, burden your heart, all the things that drag you down. Jesus has a spot for you but it's a laborer spot. Let's remember that as we consider him this week. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the gift of your son, that the purpose that he brings. And Lord, I pray that as we consider this, that we find our place, that we come to you as a laborer, willing to do anything, anything, knowing that your plan is best, your provision is best, that your message is one that is worthy God, thank you for this morning. Change our hearts because of it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.